Nathan, we were just at the Overland Expo, the premier expose of the off-road community this past weekend. That's right. This is the Overland Expo Mountain West. So don't get it confused with all the other ones because there's like five now. This one is right in our backyard. Yeah, exactly. So you and Andre were there yep. over the weekend scoping out the cool trucks, all the cool pickups that the uh, Overland world is excited about. Yeah. And then I was there on Saturday by myself, um, just kind of scoping out some of the cool cars and SUVs. And in this podcast, we're going to showcase some of the cool trends we've seen, some really unique products. So what I'm going to do is cut to that footage now. You'll be able to see my POV walk around, get a sense of what the event was like. And then uh, we'll come back and uh, we'll talk about uh, some of the cool things we saw. Yeah. Hey everybody, Tommy reporting today from the Overland Expo Mountain West. And in this podcast, I want to show you some of the coolest new vehicles and accessories in 2023, some brands you need to look out for, and some trends I'm seeing in the off-road and Overland community. Now, the Overland Expo is a gathering place for manufacturers, fans, enthusiasts of off-roading of any and all kinds. And I've been to a bunch of them. I've been to Mountain West a few times and it's gotten enormous. This is such a huge event. We're seeing OEMs showing up, some of the biggest aftermarket suppliers showing up. We've got debuts here. Absolutely nuts the excitement in the off-road community. Um, and we got some interesting vehicles that I want to showcase today, starting with this. This is the new Lexus GX550. So Lexus is uh, gone in a different direction with the new GX550. So gone is the V8. Now we've got the twin turbo V6, 349 horsepower, 479 pound-feet of torque, and we've got off-road gear for real this time in this top dog trim. So we've got the center lock, the diff lock, you can get the sway bar disconnect in these vehicles. And I've never actually spent any time with the GX. I have, of course, seen the Land Cruiser in person. I went on the press launch. We got videos at all TFL if you want to see what that's like. But my initial impression is that this GX is so much more luxurious. So the quality of materials, the leather, the technology is a little bit more impressive. You got the full digital instrument cluster, um, right? So some of this is similar to what you'd expect in the Land Cruiser, a lot of it goes more premium, like the wood, right? Look at that fancy wood across the dash. Ooh, I like that. It's kind of fun. Little hideaway 12 volt. You got your drive mode select, multi terrain select, uh, crawl control, your high low selector there. What do you think of this green? Now, the model we're sitting in, if you're listening in the podcast, has green accents on the inside, which is kind of a bold choice, but. Um, yeah, I love that Lexus is so involved in the off-road community. I remember when we started this little YouTube thing in 2009, right? Lexus had the GX, they had the LX, but they weren't really embracing the Overland community. And now they are front and center here at the Overland Expo Mountain West, showcasing products like this LX that's running on these open country mud terrain. This is like a hundred plus thousand dollar SUV that's got mud terrain tires and a Lexus badge. And to show their commitment to the off-road lifestyle, check out this GX. Now, I didn't know this. This is a pretty recent... Um, change that Lexus has started offering, but now Lexus corporate is allowing dealers to lift vehicles, customize vehicles using approved parts. We've got the name of the program here. It's called the AAP, Associated Accessory Products. And now you can buy a GX with a lift kit that's warranted, certified for crash tests. So unreal, right? When these cars were introduced in the US a couple decades ago, right? They were off-road worthy, but they were marketed as a luxury off-roader. It wasn't until like the last 10 years people kind of figured out, 
oh crap, these things are cool. And now Lexus itself has realized, wow, people are actually using these for off-road adventures. So we're gonna support that, which I think is absolutely fantastic. So the uh, GX460 here, guys, is a really cool look. And it's cool to see the old GX and new ones side by side, right? If you want the last of the V8s, um, the 460 is, is it, because the new 550 is going uh, twin turbo V6 only. But obviously the look on this thing is nuts, right? This old one was kind of confused and a little swoopy. This new one is square and blocky. And at the end of this video, we'll check out the new Land Cruiser to compare. But good trunk space back here, two row only. Um, we'll compare and contrast it to the, the Land Cruiser as well. Tow hitch there. I mean, lots of Land Cruiser at the rear of the vehicle, I think. Definitely the front looks pretty different. The rear is much more, much more similar, although you do have that kind of cool light bar that extends the length of the vehicle. I-50 badging crazy that this is the direction Lexus has gone in, huh? But um, I gotta say, I mean, I'm pretty overwhelmed with this Overland Expo in general because there's just so, so much to see. So many cool product lines and vendors and Andre went over the cool trucks. So I'm gonna try to focus more on the interesting SUVs from the Overland Expo, but we'll, uh, we'll certainly pass some trucks and we can talk briefly about them. Like the Elevation off-grid trucks. We've worked with these guys in the past, but they take dualies, they lift them and they customize them and they put these super singles on them and turn them into these insane off-road monsters. Look at that. Unreal, you got big fender flares there. I think these are 40s, maybe more than 40s. Um, but uh, yeah, truly nuts. Anyway, that's more of a truck thing. I do wanna showcase some other interesting trends I'm seeing. Um, certainly, we've read your comments. We understand that a lot of you guys out there have been very price conscious about new vehicle purchase. And you know, biggest complaints that we've seen recently is cars are getting too expensive. That complaint really hasn't seemed to reach the Overland world because we have seen vehicles here upwards of 250, 300, 400, 500, and there's a vehicle over there that's over a million dollars. So uh, people are still certainly embracing, at least in the Overland community, the, uh, the expensive off-road um, off world. But check this out, this is pretty wild. This is a Rivian R1S, so the fully electric Rivian SUV. I was just in normal Illinois checking out the new dual motor version of this. Uh, of this vehicle, but this is of course the quad motor that's got a lift on it and large tires. That's really cool. So electric overlanding is still a relatively, relatively new concept, but man, that lifted R1S looks great. Let's see if we can uh, see the tire size there. Um, love that kind of that bronze black rhino look. That's gorgeous. Unreal. I never thought I would like 295 65R20. So that's probably what a 34, 35 on this Rivian. Got the rock rails there. Of course, quad motor torque vectoring setup with the rooftop tent. That's a cool look. Man, Rivian, who would have thunk? Lifted, big tires, looks pretty cool. This is the Optima battery stand here and looks like they're demonstrating how they can charge some of these Rivian products off of the uh, the Optima batteries, which is neat. But lots of OEM presence here from the major auto manufacturers. So we've got the Hummer here, right? Um, Hummer has uh, teamed up with Earth Cruiser to build this uh, custom off-road uh, camper Hummer, which is really neat. You got a little portal to get into this rear portion of the um, of the Hummer, and then uh, you got you know all your accessory gears. You got a little bed. You got a little sink in there, but it's supposed to be kind of a sleek setup. Kind of looks like a Hummer's wearing a hat that folds down. Um, and I think Andre talked more about that in his Talking Trucks podcast. So we'll keep going here and focus on some of the more SUVs. Another Rivian, looking good. There's the R1T with the truck on the back. 
um, really liking what uh, they've done with this new um, GMC AT4X with some of the AEV components. AEV is, of course, one of the leading manufacturers of off-road components, and um, we'll stop by their booth here in a sec, but this is a, uh, um, a vehicle that they've worked on with GMC to build the ultimate in AT4X off-road. Got the AEV Salta wheels there, and the custom bumpers and the integrated winch. Excellent looking vehicle. What I think is interesting about this world is, you know, sure, we have seen a lot more influx of Broncos and, and uh, Wranglers into the overlanding scene, but it is still so incredibly dominated by Toyota. So I would say Tacoma, Forerunner, Sequoia now, right? Easily the most common vehicle we've seen out here today. And each one of these rows goes like quarter mile in that direction. But I'm walking over to AEV because they had a debut that they partnered with Jeep with. So you may recall that um, Recently, Jeep unveiled a special uh, anniversary edition of the Wrangler called the Rubicon 20th Anniversary. Well, now, AEV is continuing the fun with this level two build. The 20th anniversary was a very limited run. They only built about 150 of them. Uh, this one, they are building in much higher volume, right? So you could be able to order this basically 20th anniversary kit. They're calling it the level two on just about any Rubicon. So um, the 20th anniversary, you had to get the expensive ones, the 392s, the four by E's, but you're gonna be able to order this on top of like a 3.6 Pentastar. So while the 392 was topping 115, $120,000, uh, if you were to buy a base 3.6 Rubicon and outfit it with um, the AEV level two kit, you'd get all the same stuff, 37 inch tall tires. You order it through your uh, dealer, builds at the factory in Toledo. They send it right to AEV to outfit, um, shows up at your dealer. And then you, you can do all that for about 20 grand, which is still a ton of money, don't get me wrong. But if you were to buy like standard Rubicon, 60 grand, 20K in upgrades, it's fully warrantied, fully covered by not only Jeep, but the AEV warranties, and it's ready to hit the trail. So if you want a warrantied 37 inch tall tired Wrangler, that's gonna be one of the only ways to accomplish that. But let's keep going, because we got so much to talk about here. Sorry if it sounds like I'm a little out of breath, because I am a little out of breath, but um, the number of vendors here I've been running around to every day has been nuts. This is pretty interesting, this Motul, um, Wagoneer, look at that. Not not too many Wagoneers um, outfitted right now for the off-road kind of community, and it's interesting to see this one done with these kind of big chunky mud terrains. What are those 35s? Looks like it's got coil springs, so maybe it had an air suspension conversion. Dakar, I wonder if this was a participant in Dakar. Rooftop tent. Actually looks pretty cool as an off-road equipped vehicle. Kind of liking that look, 35 inch tall tire. Yeah, really cool. So we'll kind of keep just meandering along here. Um, Off-road builds of all types, shapes, sizes. Um, we've got little things, electric things, big vehicles, classic vehicles like this FJ. Just about every trailer manufacturer I've ever, ever seen has actually made a presence here. And um, lots, of, uh, lots of great, communities going on here. What's cool about the Overland Expo too is a lot of people come in from out of state and they camp in the surrounding parking lots. So some of the best viewing you'll see of anything is actually in the campground surrounding it. You can talk to owners that have done some insane builds and are really passionate about what's going on and what they've been up to. So we'll start making our way down this way. Um, 
definitely seeing a trend toward more full-size builds. So it used to be when you came to the Expos dominated by Tacomas and Forerunners, we're seeing a lot more of the full-size and HD stuff. So here we've got um, elevation off-grid, right? We've got these uh, um, Ford trucks, we've got the Cummins trucks, right? And um, that seems to be the big trend, but it's a very expensive way to build a vehicle. You're gonna need several hundred thousand dollars by the time it's all set and done. But that's what I mean, like everything here seems to be 100 grand plus. You got Raptor builds, right? So, um, you know, we don't talk about politics here. I'll leave your, your opinion to yourself to what you think the economy's doing. But certainly, at least here at the Overland Expo, it seems like uh, the economy has not taken much of a toll now, you can see here, there's uh, opportunities to test some bikes if you are so inclined to. These are our guys over at Rider Justice. These are the leading guys if you need help with the law. They specialize in motorcycle claims. And here we've got Scott, I believe, demonstrating their motorcycle-powered smoothie mixer. Scott, do you do you need 360 cc's to blend the smoothie? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's got to get up to at least 30. <laughs> well, thanks, dude. I appreciate. It. Does it really have to get that fast? It's got to get up to 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Well, check out Rider Justice, like I said earlier. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Um, they are the leading um, uh, providers for motorcycle claims, and they do excellent, excellent work. We've worked with them in the past. Now we're on to Polaris. Polaris has some truly interesting vehicles. These are the Polaris Expedition equipped vehicles, and these are um, vehicles developed for adventure. Let me clip this mic back on here. So they can be specced with a full cab, like this one is, and they can even be specced with air conditioning, heaters, navigation, full audio systems, power windows. Check this out. Look, climate control on a side-by-side. -side. So you've got heat, AC, fan control there. You've got nicer interiors, more comfort, fully enclosed cab, headliner, dome light in the side-by-side. -side. The downside, this one has equipped $58,000, but um, if you want the ultimate in side-by-side, -side, Polaris is doing some rather interesting things. So um, I don't have any buddies here today. Andre came earlier, but I was running a little late, so it's just me kind of walking around with the camera. It's been great to meet so many fans here too. I'm truly honored that so many folks have come up and said hi and watched the channel. It's been uh, it's really, really cool to meet you guys. Patriot Campers is out here. They do a lot of the Australian style builds. Um, the van community seems to have a much smaller presence here than it has in previous years. It definitely seems to be much more truck centric. So it used to be everything was a variant on a Sprinter or a Transit, but certainly now we're seeing a lot more bed builds. Uh, rooftop tents, that kind of thing. Kind of keep cruising here. I mean, the number of vendors at this show has just become truly immense. It's amazing um, what is being offered, some of the creativity with a lot of these vendors. Uh, you guys are some smart folks out there. A lot of trailers too, not as many as I think truck build outs, but certainly a few. And then we've seen a couple uh, classic vehicles here as well. A couple old Land Cruisers, 
Yeah, really cool. There's also an opportunity to do some ride and drives here, so um, you can you can try out like Ram trucks, a couple other manufacturers. This has been an interesting trend, the Sequoia builds. So, you know, Land Cruiser 200 series out of production. Now the new top dog Toyota SUV is the Sequoia, and I've been seeing a ton of folks doing some pretty creative things with Sequoias, and I have to say. They look pretty darn cool. They really do. Let's see. Good size tire on this. I feel like the tire police today. 37 by 12 and a half. Uh, nice wrap on this too. Let's see this rear bumper build. Oh, sweet. Nice. Got the dual exhaust. The Sequoia, of course, has got that twin turbo V6. Nice looking build. These things look really rad when they're a little bit built out. Clean front end on that too. Okay, yeah, so definitely a trend we are seeing in the um, Overland community is people have been adopting the Sequoia, I think more so than they have in the past. It might be partially because of the new solid rear axle versus the previous gen, which was full independent in the rear, making our way back here down the aisle toward the Lexus booth. Uh, not as many Colorados as I was expecting out here and very few Ford Rangers. You've seen a few of them, but like I said, a lot of Tacomas, Foreigners, that kind of thing still. And then a lot of emphasis on the full-size build-outs from 150, 250, 350 platform, that kind of thing. Man, it's just enormous, a number of folks here. Can't get over how popular this world has become. But we're gonna start making our way down to the uh, Toyota booth so we can check out the new Land Cruiser they have on display. Try not to get run over by a golf cart. That would be ideal. This thing is cool, this mountain Yoda. <laughs> the third gen forerunner running 40 inch tall tires hey thanks man for watching i appreciate it um thing is really cool check that out huge oh my god people have gone nuts this is another interesting kind of small build out here we got a, a lx 600 that's got um a full custom build out lx 600 is of course the u.s version of the 300 series Land Cruiser. Give you a peek at this. Got the ARB front end there. That's an expensive build. Someone has some pretty deep pockets for that. Full roof rack, rooftop tent, it's towing. Nice build, but maybe a little, little rich for my blood. And then over here, Honda has also been trying to make a pretty big entrance into the Overland community with their trail sport models. And I've driven many of their trail sport models before, including um, uh, you know, the new Pilot Trail Sport, and I have to say the IVTM4 system they have, easily one of the best in the industry for just kind of a, a soft, soft rotor. I'm really impressed with what they're able to do and some of the trail sport models with the integrated skid plate. Pretty cool stuff. All right, got some food vendors. Starting to go a little loopy here. I'm trying to show you everything. <laughs> That's okay. All right, let's start making our way into Toyota. We got a Gotta at least show you that new Land Cruiser. Sprinter van. This is much harder when it's just yourself. Should've come earlier, so Andre could've been my buddy. Sorry about that, Andre. But it is a weekend, he's got family. Which uh, is a great thing about being 26. Although that might change shortly. <laughs> so, this is the uh, new Land Cruiser. This is the first edition of the Land Cruiser. This is um, their new smaller, more affordable Land Cruiser that starts in the mid $50,000 range. And um, overall, very impressed with uh, 
this new unit and the reception seems to be huge. So round headlights in this first edition, you can get the square. Of course, if you get the Land Cruiser trim, off-road tires, the LTX trail, and you got the rock rails down there, integrated roof rack on the first edition. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, love this color too with the, uh, the, the two-tone roof. It says the 2.4 liter four-cylinder turbo with the integrated hybrid system, 326 horsepower, 465 pound-feet of torque, standard trailer brake controller. This thing is built for, um, for towing, it's built for off-roading. I'm really excited to get this thing out on the trail. And over there, of course, is the new Tacoma, which Andre had profiled yesterday. But um, personally, between the uh, Tacoma and the, um, uh, sorry, between the Land Cruiser and the GX, it's gonna be Land Cruiser for me. Starts in the mid 50s, we don't know pricing on the GX, but you gotta figure it's gonna be at least mid 60s. And um, I just like the look of the Land Cruiser, I like kind of the whole retro thing they got going on. Um, Thor's Lightning Air Systems. We just did a profile on these guys in a recent video and they came out great. I was really impressed with the uh, performance of the system. It's a uh, air down, air up setup. You got the, uh, a tube essentially that attaches to each of the uh, four tires and allows you to air up and down with one go. Um, really, really quick, super, super easy and much more affordable than some of its competition. So that's gonna be a big win for me. Overall, very impressed with the system. Um, you know, I appreciate them sponsoring the channel, but even if they didn't, I, I would say easily the best system I've used in the industry. Really, really cool stuff. But um, yeah, that's just kind of your quick first look at Overland Expo Mountain West. Big money, big trucks, um, uh, just big in general. Everything's gotten big here. Will it continue in this direction? I don't know, you know. We'll have to see, uh, see where people's interests lie, right? With full size and of course what the market's gonna do. But um, yeah, a little bit of everything is, uh, has definitely gotten big here. All right, Nathan, so thank you for putting up with my blabbing there for uh, 21 minutes. That's okay because there's so much to cover. Think about it this way. Right now, I think Toyota's on fire and they have some really cool products they're showing on their own. Specifically, there's a Lexus and there is a new Land Cruiser. So these are huge and they're in our car wheelhouse. That's one of the reasons why they're covered, but there was more. Yeah, so, um, you know, let's start by talking about Land Cruiser and GX, because those, I think, were some of the highlights of the show. We got to meet a lot of fans surrounding those vehicles, and a lot of Toyota um, enthusiasts are really excited about the return of the Land Cruiser and, of course, this new GX. So what were your first impressions of these two cars? Well, first of all, I was really stunned with, if we go to the GX, what the GX was when they first introduced that, which was first, uh, at least here in the States. And all of us were like, oh, my God, the Land Cruiser has returned without really knowing <laughs> that the Land Cruiser was about to return. So I was really enthusiastic about the uh, GX, and I still am. I still think it's just, you know, it's really cool inside and out, and it just has a lot of presence, and I'm looking forward to testing it. But really, the whole thing comes down to the Land Cruiser because there's two different flavors. You literally get two different vehicles, different headlights, different front ends. Uh, I love the fact that they kind of have their entry off-road kind of hard bashing one and then the nicer one. I, I, there's so much variety here and nobody outside of the Toyota, you know, little 
microcosm knew that this was coming, and it was such a surprise and a good one at that. Yeah, I mean, you know, they killed the old 200 series V8 monster a little while back, and then they came back with a smaller, more lightweight, hybrid-powered Land Cruiser, and that is what I want to ask you about, because mm. I got to run into a lot of fans at the Expo, I asked a lot of people's opinions on the Land Cruiser, and the number one thing that people were stuck on was the hybrid four-cylinder. Yeah, actually, you're not the only one to get this. A lot of our, a lot of competitors have been hearing the same thing, and a lot of my friends have, a lot of journalists have. Uh, the bottom line is that they used to have this rather reliable, stout, but thirsty V8. And they've had a couple different V8s over time in terms of just Toyota product in general. But really, if you're looking at their larger displacement V8, that one that was used, actually the 4.7 was also used as well in the GX, wasn't it, for a little while? And then they moved up, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they've had these engines and they've been really good, but they've also been extremely thirsty. So mm -hmm. moving on. Now we have this hybrid power system that works in conjunction with a turbocharged four-cylinder engine, giving you more torque <laughs> than the V8 and probably better power to weight, I'm willing to bet, by far. And obviously it's going to be way more efficient, but it's a turbocharged engine that's already a red flag for some people because there's reliability issues as far as some people are concerned with turbos. And then you have the hybrid system, yeah. which once again is like, uh-oh, that could be an issue. And I have one thing to say about that. Just one thing, one word. What is that? Toyota. Yeah. <laughs> Toyota has been absolutely killing it with hybrids for years. They've proven, it's a proven technology, you can't argue this, that it is a reliable source of power for a vehicle. They've proven it, proven it, proven it. And you have many Prius out there that have, you know, three, 400,000 miles on them. So that part, okay, put it away. Then there's the turbo part. Uh, and that's the part where I think I might agree with them a little bit because turbochargers can be a little bit iffy if they're not properly tested and proven. And it's the turbo itself that in some cases can be an issue or the cooling of the turbo. Um, I happen to think that Toyota probably has that under control, but I guess we're gonna have to wait and find out. I mean, I think from my perspective, um, I agree with you completely, right? Toyota invented the hybrid system over 23 years ago. And, you know, I think a lot of folks will say, yeah, but it's, it's an off-road application, right? You're dealing with mud and water and rocks and that kind of thing. What's good about this vehicle is everything is very high up and protected, right? The battery is kind of in the trunk area. It's very high, it's not exposed. It's an old battery technology, nickel metal hydrate, which are notoriously stable, super reliable. And very strong. Very strong. Physically strong, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, nickel metal hydride pack, right? It's old tech. That 2.4 liter has been around for a little bit of time now, right? It's going in the Tacoma, but we've seen it in the, the Grand Highlander and the Standard Highlander and that kind of thing. Um, and of course, Toyota has been messing with turbo since the 80s from like the old turbocharged 80s truck. So I do agree where like, uh, I mean, I'm gonna be curious to see how it's integrated. So for example, like the Jeep two liter turbo and the hybrid and the four by E, we've spent a lot of time with, not a super big fan of the way that off-roads. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Kind of twitchy, kind of kind of hard to modulate carefully, but I'm hoping Toyota did a really nice job um, in uh, integrating that, that hybrid system. I have a feeling they did. And in addition, there's one real benefit that a lot of people need to think about when you have an electrical backup or electrical assist, I should say, and that is the torque band, where that torque really comes in because you have maximum torque at zero RPM when you're talking about an electric motor. So imagine that feeding the wheels when you're going up and over rocks and whatnot. I have a feeling that Toyota's taken the time to really figure this out. And we'll find out soon enough because the Toyota Tacoma uh, is coming very soon with yeah. the that power plant, and we should be able to get our hands on that really soon. Now, 
Another point which I think is interesting, and this, so I talked to a lot of folks and I said, are you more excited about the GX or the Land Cruiser? What would you buy? People seem to really like the look of the Land Cruiser, but mm -hmm. a lot of folks are actually more interested in the GX because of that twin turbo V6. Yeah. It's but a beefy engine. on paper, the numbers are so close. So the Toyota makes 326 horsepower. The Lexus makes 349. So it's a 50 horsepower difference. Oh, sorry, 25 horsepower difference. Mm -hmm. um, and then the torque is 465 on the Toyota, 479 on the Lexus. So that's what, 14 pound feet difference? Yes. And then in addition, the Lexus is a lot larger. So then their power to weight kind of uh, goes back and forth because that has the V6, which is a heavier power plant. Mm. And it also, I believe, has the third row. It's two row only, at least the one the that was there. Yeah. Really? I thought that they were going to do a third row as well. But whether they do or do not, it is physically, I believe, a slightly larger vehicle because of that engine powertrain setup. They might. I don't know. I actually don't know if they're going to do a third row. The one that was there was a two row. Mm. And then the Land Cruisers for sure only are, are, a two row. Even though they have cup holders for a third row. Yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah, it's really funny. But yeah, there's no, uh, not right now at least. Yeah. That might come later. Um, but anyway, the, I, I think that um, the Lexus really does pander to that luxury crowd who's like, we finally get something that we can immediately take off-road. Because right. in the past, you couldn't really do that. Yeah. And I will say, like, after sitting in both of them, um, the Lexus is a lot more cushy, right? Yeah. The, 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 the leather's a lot nicer, and the, the quality materials feels a lot higher. So it definitely feels like a premium experience, where the Toyota feels like a more utilitarian experience. Um, and then it's going to come down to pricing. So Toyota says the Land Cruiser is going to start in the mid-50s. Where do you think the Lexus is going to start? In his 70s, mid-70s, I think. mid-70s, wow. Yeah, I think that... The, your stripped down sort of base version of that will start to say about between 75 and 78 and then but really 80s is where it's going to be sitting for most people who act you know, add the basic luxury goodies to it. Wow. That's, that's my assumption. I could be totally wrong. I'm hoping it's a little cheaper. I hope it's going to be more like 65, mm. more in line with the current pricing, but I could be wrong. They also had the current GX next to it at the expo, and it's crazy to see the differences, right? Because the old GX now looks like such a dinosaur. It does. It looks like the narrow roof and everything, the way it's designed. Even though I do like the old GX quite a bit, it's when you put the two next to each other, they look completely different. Yeah, 100%. And now um, Lexus is actually offering a cool program, which I didn't know about until this uh, this expo, where you can actually now purchase lift kits through your Lexus dealer and certain other offered accessories and have the full Lexus warranty and Lexus development process backed by those systems. So like that GX they had there was lifted in, on big chunky mud terrains. And the Lexus folks were like, yeah, this was done through a dealer, fully covered by warranty. It's kind of a fun idea. It's an excellent idea because it's been something that people have been doing with Lexus for years and years and years. Uh, mostly the GX, but in some cases even the LX, and they've been lifting them and chopping the crap out of the front bumper in order to, to make it so it can actually have some approach angle. And now you're, you're able to basically do some stuff through the factory and have a warranty that's huge. I guarantee you that is going to be very popular with a lot of GX buyers. Yeah, really interesting. So what were some other cool stuff that you've been noticing at the expo? What was <laughs> what, else, what else got you excited? There was some weird stuff, which I'll cover in just a bit. But, um, I mean, you know what was interesting? Not as much Jeep stuff as I'd seen before. Yeah, pretty minimal on the Jeep yeah, stuff. Yeah, the, there was a lot less than I expected. Obviously, if you go to the truck podcast, you'll have Andre and I doing a live, well, somewhat live, where we're going through the place. Uh, there were a lot of highlights. There were some interesting vehicles. However, there was one thing that came up that really blew my mind, uh, and that was a Nissan GTR. 
<laughs> okay. With a rooftop tent. Wow. I kid you not. And I, I, I looked at it and I kept thinking, there's something wrong with that guy. But the whole point was to do exactly what it did, which is to catch your eye and bring you over. So that was at the expo, but there were also just a ton of new rooftop tents. Not my favorite thing in the world, to be honest with you. Okay, yep. I'm not a rooftop tent guy. Uh, a lot of trailers, um, and, and the trailers I, I kind of dig because in some cases they can be somewhat affordable. Then you go to you know these massive earth roam or whatever the things that are Jeez. like a million dollars or whatever. Unreal. Yeah, just ridiculously expensive. And I like to go towards the much cheaper end. Yeah. And there was also a ton of motorcycles there and a bunch of other things like that. It's one of the cool things about the Overland Expo. They really cover the gamut. And if you have a sleeping bag and a cheap motorbike, you can overland. Or if you have a couple million dollars in the bank and you want to buy some ridiculous off-road vehicle that has a whirlpool in it or whatever, you know, uh, yeah, you could do that too. So there's kind of like everything in between. Well, That's the cool part. Well, so going back to your tent statement, I yeah. think the prices on rooftop tents have gotten outrageous. For some of them, yes. Yeah, some of the premium ones now are topping ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. nuts. There's a company building one that integrates into like the top of your um, uh, your expedition. You're oh, looking yeah. at thirty grand for a tent, essentially. Doesn't that physically actually go into where they cut a hole in the roof? I think is, it is might. It? Yeah. yeah, it depends on the configuration, but you're essentially getting like a, a West Fadia-like type, type deal. Yeah. But that's a lot of money to, mm -hmm. for an accessory in top of your vehicle. It is. I would recommend if you guys want a cheaper version of that, I believe that the um, uh, the Honda, um, what was it, the little square one with the, um, not the, I was going to say Equinox, but it's the... Um, the Passport? No, the, the little square boxy thing that they had. The, the Element? Uh-huh. You can buy an Element. <laughs> they actually have a kit where you can get a rooftop tent that's integrated to the top. So an, an expanding top, basically. Yeah, right. And that would be a far more economical thing to do. You can do that for a few grand. Um, I, I actually there was a hum V well hum V a Hummer there and the electric was Hummer cool. that yeah. was really cool. It was also probably stupidly expensive. That roof, the whole integrated roof uh, section, which is really more of a camper, uh, is all made out of carbon fiber. And that's another one we had did a full tour of that in the um, TFL truck podcast uh, went all through it and everything else. But that to me is just like that's excess for people who have ridiculous money and doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Once again. The less expensive avenue is the way I like to go, and there were so many cool trailers there. And trailers, as I said, I think are the cheaper way to go. And also some really interesting campers that you could add to even small trucks like the um, Nissan um, Frontier uh, with the small bed. You could do that. But anyway, going back to cars, um, there was something else that was really interesting. I noticed a lot of lifted Subarus there. Yes. And that's still a popular thing. And I'm down for that. Great. You go for it. Um, but I overheard one guy talking about the fact that he's had gone through several uh, axles and whatnot, uh, trying to make it work with the lift. Because, oh. yes, you can lift them and drive them around, but once you actually start going off-road and articulating, you can actually break things. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, uh, you know, if you look at the vehicles that were there in, in huge numbers, I was still shocked by how little of a dent both um, – Jeep, but specifically Ford made. I mean, there were there a couple was, Broncos, but yeah, just a couple. super unusual, right? Yeah. And I know that Ford and Jeep are going more for like the extreme off-road, you know, clientele. But um, I thought we'd see more, you know, like Bronco Everglades, right, which are designed for these overlanding yeah. communities or some of these new. I mean, occasionally you'd see like a diesel Wrangler Gladiator, but it's so dominated by Toyota and Lexus. 
It, it really is. And it, Nissan needs to also like make their presence known there as well. Good point. Uh, Honda yeah. was there in force. Honda was there. Yeah, they yeah. had a whole booth there. They had a whole booth cool. there. And they brought in, among other things, the, um, you know, obviously their, their new pilot, which really is kind of sort of overlandish. I actually yeah, lived in one for sports. three days. Yep, yep. You know, that was interesting. Um, <laughs> they are going to be updating other vehicles, including the Passport in the near future. But for the most part, um, you know, other other automakers that really should have been there weren't there. And it's a shame because really overlanding is, is like the big thing right now. Yeah, it's the hot thing, right? And, and you know, Toyota was there in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the AEV guys there with that new Jeep Level 2, which we showed in this yes, in my th- walk around. That's right. And then, um, you know, Hummer was there. GMC was there. But, yeah, like Nissan, right? Where was Nissan at? Nissan really should make their presence known in an event like that. They have plenty of crossovers that they could build up and butch up a little sure, bit. Sure, yeah. And make them look a little bit more off-roady. And more importantly, throw a rooftop tent on them. Why not? You know, I mean, everybody else is doing it. And I remember they used to when um, yep. uh, when our, our Nissan PR gal was named Wendy, she actually spearheaded a lot of these builds that they used to do yep. on, like, Armadas and that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, the Frontier is a great Overland platform. Yes. Hardly saw any of those there. Now they have the Pathfinder, the Rock Creek Edition, right? Our Armada as well. I mean, the Nissan Armada is actually a very well-put-together Japanese-built uh, Japanese built vehicle <laughs> that is extremely well-made and would be a really good Overlander if somebody actually invested the time into making one into one. They did it a long time ago, but I'm talking about the new generation now, which should be really cool to see. I think it's funny... Um, you know, the new trend that we're seeing a lot of, and I know this is the car podcast, but just grafting into trucks really quick is, you know, on the top trim things, we're seeing manufacturers partnering with well-established third-party aftermarket manufacturers. Like, like, yeah. like AEV, right, exactly. with the license. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, Toyota with the Trail Hunters. Yep. So that, or, or Rigid Industry, right? That's another one that Toyota's been working with on some of their fog light stuff. So that's been a really big trend, too, is major OEMs now are partnering with third-party manufacturers like ARB or AEV or Rigid Industries to kind of make their vehicles seem, quote, custom from the showroom floor. Yeah, and you can go back a little ways and see that there were other times when when Ford, for instance, worked with uh, Eddie Bauer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like a custom interior way back in the day. And you could go even further back to, you know, Cartier. But uh, the, the point here is that to make a vehicle a little bit more rugged and individual, they are now working with these industries. And the cool part is, at least with AEV, and they don't pay us a dime, by the way, but I right. will say that AEV products are extremely well made and look the part too. They look really well made. And I just, you know, aesthetically, I think that they do a really good job. So when you partner with a company like that, then you're almost guaranteed to make your vehicle look a little bit cooler, but more importantly, be more functional. Yeah, Ram was there. Ram had a big thing going yeah, on. Yeah, Ram had back. a couple things there too. But, yeah. you know, once again, it's just there's other manufacturers that actually build cars or off-roaders that really should have been there or made their presence known. And I don't think it would have been that much of an ask. Sure. You know, compared mm-hmm. to some of the other things they do. So anyway, that's just, that's the point. But all in all, it's a really good show. Yeah, huge. It was enormous. Yeah. So when it started, right, it was kind of regional east, west coast. Yeah. Now we got this Mountain West. And when, when Mountain West started a few years back, it was kind of small and you could you could see everything in half a day. You could spend two days there now and knock it to every booth. I mean, it's, it's row after row after row of manufacturers, both foreign, domestic, everything. It was crazy. Yeah, and it's really all about the aftermarket stuff, too, that you get to see especially the mom-and-pop industry. Yeah, a lot of cool where, stuff. Where they don't have representation, and so you can walk around, and then you kind of 
figure out, hey, this is something that this guy makes by hand. And normally, even if he had a website or whatever, or she had a website, then I wouldn't be able to find it anywhere. Well, suddenly, and now there I am looking at it. And it was really cool to see people interacting with people who are making, you know, overlanding kits for cooking or for hunting or whatever. All this stuff was there, and it was really cool to see. 100%. Yeah, really interesting kind of group of folks and really great kind of group of collections of vehicles. So easily one of the best shows that I've seen from an off-road standpoint yep. um, definitely keep keep an eye out for west or east coast uh, if you want to go check one of those out yeah now we are at the point in the show where we're about to uh, like head down towards the end however we have a question yeah that came up and tommy is actually very uh is the right guy is the right guy i should say uh to, <laughs> to answer uh, most of this i have my own opinions of course so why don't we and this is from our patreon yeah so this is from don he says are you going to talk about the new mustang gtd so if you want to uh check our patreon and support the team patreon.com slash tfl car we always appreciate your support um so the new mustang gtd looks like an insane replacement for the gt500 would love to get your guys take on it now this was debuted recently right Nathan? yeah pebble beach yeah Yep. Right. And the GTD is now first we heard rumors that they were building a Mustang that had a that was a mid-engine layout. Not quite the case. Uh, this is a super Mustang indeed. And yep. it does have something in the back, but that's the transmission. Uh, similar to the way a 944 is built with Porsche. Uh, Porsche, I should say. Um, or, or other car companies that create balance. This was what I consider basically a race car that you can technically drive on a daily basis. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's basically, as I understand it, um, and I'm not an expert at the GTD, but it's a race homologated, it's a road homologated version of, of an upcoming race car, right? Mm -hmm. um, Jim Farley, the CEO, wants to go road racing. He's got to build some production street-going vehicles. So what this is, is a limited run of highly... Um, essentially uh, built out Mustangs with a very complex lay flat rear suspension, a 5.2 liter Predator V8 with about 800 horsepower, 50-50 weight distribution, and custom arrow throughout, huge wing in the back, get the vents down the side, and the price from another world. Yeah, $300,000, wasn't it? Yes, $300,000 is mm, what they're predicting. Mm, mm. Now, that may sound like a huge chunk of change, and guess what it is? It's a lot of money. Uh, for a Mustang, that is an extraordinary amount of money. However, there are going to be fans out there who are going to look at this car and say, hey, this is, this is what I want. I, I have an issue, though, with this. I have a major problem with this car, Tommy. Yeah, what you got going on, Nathan? I think that they should not have introduced it so close to the launch of the Mustang and the Mustang Dark Horse. Interesting, okay. I think that this has taken a lot of the um, focus off of those Mustangs, especially the Dark Horse. And look... We have a video where our driver, our dude, Paul, drives the Mustang Dark Horse. And you really need to watch that video because he is, well, he frankly is a former Stig. He is an actual real race driver. And I think it's important that you guys see that. But there's been so little press about that car in terms of the divide between that and then when this thing came out. And I have nothing wrong with this. This is an amazing car. But only a handful of people are ever going to buy it, like the Sultan of Brunei or whatever. Um, so taking the steam out of everything that they were pushing with the dark horse and even the gt for that matter which you got a chance to go to that event i believe i think that that's a 
poor idea for PR and marketing. I think that they should have spaced it out much further. I mean, my thing with this, right, is it's a very cool thing. Yeah. I love that they're doing it, but it's very small numbers. You know, we're going to yeah. probably talk, I think it's a few hundred, um, $300,000, right? This is not a vehicle that they're looking to sell to the masses in volumes of thousands and thousands and thousands where you're really going to see a dent. You know, Jim Farley says, you know, we're laying down the gauntlet. We want other automakers to get into this world, right, of building these basically race cars for the road. To me, I mean, that that's, it's fine, but it's, it does it really move the needle? No, because this is basically a play thing for the uber super crazy wealthy, yeah. right? I would much, I'd be way more excited if they said, look, a Mustang GT, you can now get for $35,000, right, a strip down or whatever, you know, make, make the muscle more approachable to your typical um, American, right? This is just for the uber wealthy. It's an amazing piece of engineering. It's a great experiment. You know, manufacturers have done this a bunch in the past um, to go road racing, but it's, it's not something that gets me like, wow, this is a game changer. In addition, he threw down a gauntlet to who? I mean, right well, yeah, now, who's going to pick them up on it? Dodge is done. They're they're not building their vehicles anymore. They're not going to build a track version of anything that they're currently working on. Why? Because they can't. I mean, I think, and this this kind of is, and it, it kind of shows where his head's at. Maybe in some ways, where he it looks like he's trying to challenge like the Porsches and the and the BMWs and the Mercedes yeah. of the world, which is okay. But the Mustang has always been like the every man's pony car, right? That's a, a, attainable. Yeah. And now he's challenging manufacturers well above the league of the Mustang, right? This should be going after Camaro, which is dead, yeah. and Challenger, which, which is, is dead. dead. So maybe it will encourage GM, doubt it, or encourage Dodge, doubt it, to bring back a VA muscle car, but. Uh, mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they're just—they're basically just flexing their engineering wit at this point. But I give them all the credit in the world for building what it looks like an extraordinary car. The numbers are incredible, and making that 50-50 balance in a vehicle like a Mustang, which is notoriously nose-heavy, I think all of that is fantastic stuff. However, once again, I, I just—I look at that and I think, wow, all of this interest is now on that car and then you have these other mustangs that really do deserve especially the gt with that much was a 480 horsepower yeah it's a lot like i think it's closer to 500 nathan just, well, the five, 500 is the dark horse though isn't it? oh yeah sorry yeah the, the normal one's like 486 yeah yeah i just i mean think about that. that's a pony car that you can almost afford and then you got this so yeah that's why i'm kind of a little eh about it. But regardless, it's an extraordinary car. I look forward to hearing about it. If we're really lucky, maybe we can get Paul behind the wheel in one of those. That would be amazing. We'll see. We'll see what the future brings. But it was a very good question, and I apologize for having such a convoluted answer. Now let's quickly go over some of the comments that we got from our previous TFL Talk episode, where you and Andre were talking about the trucks of the Overland Expo. Yeah. Nathan has gone from Rush to ACDC. What's next? Motley Crue? No, 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 not Motley Crue. What, what's wrong with Motley Crue? No, no, actually, I saw them in concert when I was in high school, which was eye-opening in so many ways. Um, <laughs> I, look, I like prog rock, I like rock and roll, I like heavy metal, I like punk rock, and I even like jazz. But it's a question of my taste that day, and the reason I was wearing that particular shirt was I was probably humming a tune in the shower in the morning, and I thought, hmm, I have an ACD shirt, let's wear it. Usually it's, what can I wear that'll upset Roman? But I've stopped doing that over the past few years. I've actually matured a little bit. I now have the mentality of a 12-year-old as such. Usually it's a Rush shirt, and every once in a while it might even be some sort of indie band that many of you may not have heard of, like, oh, I don't know, um, uh, you ever heard of uh, Depeche Mode? Yes, of course. No, you haven't. I have, uh, I have. I'm, I'm very kidding, well I'm aware. Hey, I, I, I want to make an announcement, though. I'll make an announcement. What you got? Uh, my wife is dragging me to a Duran Duran concert. 
Do you, okay. know, do you know why? Because um, she's a fan of. Uh... She's a huge fan. I, uh, you know, I, I could take them or leave them. You know, but it, 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 they're they're okay. But here's the thing: she won tickets on the radio. She won tickets? No, no she way. She has been trying. I've known her for 25 years. Wow. She has. She has been one of those people who's obsessed with calling in radio shows to win tickets, and she's never done it in 25 years. And so she's finally done it. So that's why I wanted to announce that. I to... didn't know that those were real. Those those, those are they exist, wow. and she actually won something, and I'm just like, oh my god. So anyway. Wait, yeah, I'm going hungry like the wolf. Yes, 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 yep. yes. Save a prayer for Nathan after. Um, <laughs> no, I, 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 they're totally fine. I just, I guess back when I was in school, I just, I, I thought, hey, yeah, they're, they're fun music, but all the girls like them, so I don't like them that much. Sure, because all the girls like them. Okay. Well, anyway, so let's go back to the car stuff, though. And yeah, um, we'll, we'll do one more question from Linda. What's the MPG? We don't know Tacoma MPG, but Toyota uh, did announce the MPG on the Land Cruiser. I think it's twenty-seven. If which I remember is right, insane. Some good MPG right there. That is when we were talking about the benefit of having the hybrid setup. That's the benefit right there. And, and think about that. It's not so much just like, hey, that's soft on my wallet. That's great. It's also range because the whole point is being able to get out into the middle of nowhere and have enough fuel to get back. Great point. Yeah, 100%. So, folks, if you want to check out the Overland special from the truck standpoint, we published it two days ago over at TFL Talk. It's also on all your usual uh, podcast platforms. And this one, of course, will be over at TFL Talk if you want to see the video. Or thank you for listening on all the podcast places you typically go to. Guys, have a wonderful week. Be careful. Take care. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.